You're listening to A Stranger Cast at thestranger.com. Hey, it's Wednesday, April 17th, and I'm Eli Sanders, and this is Blabbermouth, the Stranger Podcast in which we talk about what's going on this week. Dan Savage is here, and with Rich Smith, we are going to prepare for the arrival of the Mueller Report, talk about what we are going to be looking for when we read all 400 redacted pages. And then Bernie Sanders. Would you ever guess that Dan and Rich have different feelings about the big moment that Bernie is having? Well, they do. And we're going to hear their different feelings. And then Katie Herzog is going to come in to talk about Pete Buttigieg and his moment. It's kind of exciting that a Democrat is able to talk religion back to people like Mike Pence. But do Democrats really want a highly religious standard bearer? And also, can Pete Buttigieg, an out gay man, really become president? We will get into that with Katie and Dan. And then finally, Charles Mudede is here to say, do not cry for the Cathedral of Notre Dame, which burned this week. But first, Dan, Rich, Bernie, and the Mueller Report. Rich, hello. Hi, Eli. You've got a suit on. Is that to prepare for the arrival of your father-slash-grandfather's report, the Mueller Report? Growing up as a young boy in Belton, Missouri, I didn't know I was going to have the ambitions I have today. Yeah, single mom, one of uh, oldest of the girls, I like to say, one of three sisters. And then I went to college, you know, studied English, uh, uh, moved on, uh, and uh, became a, a writer at a, a local newspaper called the, the Stranger, an old rag. Uh, and uh, uh, now I'm running for president of the United States of America. Wow. All right. Well, you got the suit. That's step one. I urge you to support my campaign. We need 65,000 people in different states to vote or else I don't get on the debate stage. Okay. To donate. Are, is this an ad or are we doing the show now? <laughs> We're doing the show. Now. I'm confused. <laughs> we we just fell into the reality inside Rich's brain. Let's climb back out. Hello, Dan. Hey, Eli. Um, okay, let's talk about someone who's actually running for president. After just mentioning again that the Mueller report. Oh, that's right. <laughs> that's who I was talking about. Your father, the man who gave you your cheekbones and chin, that's and maybe right. that suit. Yeah, he did. Yeah. It's a very well, a nondescript, regular-ass suit. The redacted, been through Bob Barr's food processor, already seen and screened and prepped for by the White House. That version of the Mueller report is being released. The Mueller report itself is not yet, it has not yet be re- been released and will not be released tomorrow. Right. Not in full. Right. So just to prepare yourselves, because there have been a few things written about how to experience the arrival of the Mueller report, let's just say what we are looking for in the Mueller report. So the thing that I think we actually could find out from even the redacted Mueller report is what the fuck actually was the scope of the Russian interference operation in the 2016 presidential election. That actually was one of the things that Mueller was supposed to investigate and did investigate. And amazingly, two plus years since the last election, we still don't know what happened. So maybe, maybe Robert Mueller can tell us. Dan, what are you looking for in the report? Well, I would just like to see the whole fucking report. We're going to get a redacted version of the report. Maybe that's going to be in there. Maybe it's not going to be in there. Maybe a little bit of it's going to be in there, but maybe not all of it's going to be in there uh, about Russian interference, about... Uh, collusion 
about obstruction of justice. I said Bob Barr earlier. It's William Barr, Trump's lackey attorney general who's running interference for Trump. We have to trust this man who has in the past during Iran-Contra basically signed off and and uh, facilitated people getting off the hook for breaking the law, for obstruction of justice in the past. We have to trust that he's not going to cook this book in, in a way that obfuscates or misdirects. Uh, when his or, resume is basically, I cook the books for people who get I cook the book for trouble. Republicans right. and powerful Republicans and Republican presidents, George H.W. Bush then, this steaming piece of orange shit now and i i will not be comfortable with we've got the Mueller report until we've got the fucking Mueller report and the dems need to do everything they can to get their hands on the actual unredacted report and they should have already subpoenaed uh Mueller, your dad and <laughs> gotten father. him to testify about what's in the report after the redacted report comes out they can subpoena Mueller and have him sit there and go through the redacted report and Ask him under oath what was on that fucking page that's all blacked out. Yeah, and just to pick up on that bar carrying water for President Trump over the last couple of weeks, that's been clearer and clearer on the, all the Sunday shows uh, over the weekend. Um, they were talking about Barr uh, saying that he didn't believe that there was any spying in the Trump campaign initially and now saying that he does believe that the FBI spied on the Trump campaign. But he has Literally, no evidence. He has no evidence. He's just spreading conspiracy theories mm-hmm. and trying to weaken the, uh, the report that he's already weakening by uh, redacting it uh, from coming out. So Some what of are us are old enough to remember when it was a scandal, oh. it was obstruction of justice, that Bill Clinton had a momentary conversation with Loretta Lynch uh, who was the AG, Obama's AG, who might have been looking into the Clinton emails at that time. And that was a huge scandal, this momentary interaction between the husband of this woman who might be under investigation and some other president's AG. And now we have a president's AG basically colluding mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. that fucking president to protect him from the consequences of his own criminal misbehavior. And it is so galling it's wild i am looking for any and i know that it's supposed to all be redacted if it's embarrassing but i'm looking for any like just embarrassing dirt on all the trump lackeys i mean apparently <laughs> right i mean you know, we're the, all allegedly freaking out yes mm-hmm. all of the yeah uh, trump's uh former uh staff members uh current and current staff, staff members. members are freaking out because they don't know what don mcgann the uh, president's former uh, attorney uh has told them <laughs> about uh, all the things that happened in the last uh, you know d- during the first year of the of the presidency and so uh they're just worried how much dirt about them is going to be revealed by the Mueller report right. not and, if but the things we know are bad enough the things we know like, like Trump's whole strategy is seems to be and the lesson for future presidents is not one impeachable offense hundreds of them and not hidden from view but in plain sight we now know that trump ordered the head of uh the border security to break the law and promised him he would be pardoned and promised him he would be pardoned if he broke the law on the president's orders it's a violation of his oath of office it's literally obstruction of justice it's conspiracy and he, any other president would have been impeached the next morning yeah right and you know trump also ordered mcgann to fire Mueller, and so i'm sure Mueller's is not too happy about that in the report either all right so the report is coming thursday everyone is getting ready to spin and even pre-spin it if you want to cut through the bullshit of what other people think about the report you can read it yourself it will be 400 pages 
tune out the news yeah, for it'll a minute. Be, it, it's, it arrived at 400 pages. We might get 12 pages, right. 13 pages. We don't know yet what the redacted, how many pages are in the redacted report. Well, then it's you have fewer book. excuses for not reading the whole thing. The Let's, Cliff Notes version, the Reader's Digest <laughs> abridged version. It's yeah. coming our way. Let's talk about the race to replace Trump, which continues as always. Bernie Sanders is having a very good moment. He just went into the lion's den of Fox News, the first Democratic candidate to do that in terms of a Fox Town Hall. And this Bernie Sanders Fox Town Hall event got more viewers than any town hall, I think maybe in history, but certainly in this current presidential race. This year, yeah. People in the Democratic Party are freaking out. He's about- raised more money than anybody else running. He's raised $18 million. Uh, he's top of the polls. No matter where you look, it's him and Biden so far. Trump tweeted this morning, listen, it looks like I'm going to be running against Joe Biden or Bernie <laughs> Sanders. I don't care. Like, best of luck to you. It was like a weird... And then he added some kind of strange threat at the end. So, yeah, uh, gentlemen... Fall in love, you know, Democrat. Like I'm calling for party unity here. Uh, uh, I have already uh, said that Democrats. I will support the Democratic nominee, whoever she is, or he, depending. And I will write that man, motherfucker a check, and I will man. offer them. But he, Bernie, is still not my first choice. And it's got to be said, people are like, oh, Bernie went and did a Fox News town hall. So did Hillary Clinton in 2016. So mm-hmm. did Bernie in 2016. Well, and, and the difference is, is that Bernie had him chanting about Medicare for All, the most progressive policy, and one that was adopted by all of the other little senators who are running behind him. All of the other now, little senators. I retract it. The incredibly just, professional senators who are running behind him. Let's just savor that moment. For, all those other women and people of color in the Senate who are running, all those little tiny people I running don't behind know, Bernie. I don't know. Dan, I mean, who are we talking about here? Pete Buttigieg? What are his No, you, you, you're spoiler? saying the senators running behind him, which are Cory Booker, Kamala Harris, and Elizabeth Warren. I know. I said I made a mistake and I apologized for it. And then I, Richard, like, um, you know. Then you I, wanted to pivot to the cocksucker. Well, <laughs> I'm just saying, you mean the spoiler, Pete Buttigieg. Oh, that's. What, what, is it, what are his intentions? Listen. What are his intentions? He wants to be president. What are Bernie's mm. intentions? He wants to be president. Absolutely. And I'm calling for party unity here. I mean, what are you guys going to no, do? No, you're calling for I everyone else to get out of the race. No, no, this no. It's different than party unity. No, no, no. Listen, we need to we need to see this thing through. And the delicate math with the delicate math, it does look like Bernie Sanders or Joe Biden. Del- is we haven't even had a primary or a caucus yet. What are you talking about? Delicate math. You're and not- the actuarial tables tell us that Bernie can be dead by <laughs> November. Dan, you're not going to vote for Howard Schultz. Are no, you? God, if this no. Is, is this, is I've this already said I'm going to vote for the Democratic nominee, whoever she is, or he is. Hopefully she. Anyway. Warren. There's a bunch I of... still want to savor the moment that got steamrolled by this really illuminating discussion. <laughs> and that was the moment that you talked about, Rich, when in the Fox News town hall, the Fox-picked crowd cheered for Medicare for All, which is not on the Fox program. So mm-hmm. Bernie's there at his town hall. And the Fox News moderator tries to set him up for a really embarrassing moment by saying, okay, everyone raise your hands if you've got employer-covered health insurance. And he was kind of trying to prime people for like, hey, you've got health insurance. You can keep it. Medicare for All is going to upend things. If people work hard, they get insurance. Those people who don't have insurance are lazily jobless grifters or whatever. And then he asked the crowd, okay – how many of you want this Medicare for all thing that Bernie's talking about? And the crowd goes crazy. They yeah. cheer more. All the people who had raised their hands before who have employer covered health insurance Get want Medicare for all. Yeah. <laughs> and more people added that. That people seem to make about 
folks who have insurance through their employer is that they like that insurance mm-hmm. and that they've never had a negative interaction with their insurer or been denied coverage by their insurer. Insurance companies are, exist to deny people coverage. <laughs> yeah. That's how they make fucking money. And so like, oh, yeah, you insurance through your your employer. Isn't it wonderful? No, it's not wonderful because you have a private health care policy and you're going to get fucked the first time you have to use it. So credit to Bernie for yeah, creating absolutely. that moment and pushing Medicare for all. Also, well, to Brett Bear for falling on his fucking face. Well, hold <laughs> True. well, the other moment too. It's important not to steamroll that you started off the conversation with uh, is uh, about the fifteen extremely wealthy New York uh, Hillary Clinton donors who are having uh, dinners at oh, their well appointed parties, freaking out about political the- people doing politics. Oh my God, what will become of us? People who support a different candidate getting together to talk about what they should do to support that other candidate. How dare they off with their fucking heads, rubs? I would love to rewind to. 2016 and have the same <laughs> <laughs> question uh, flipped about uh, people who were supporting Bernie versus people who were supporting Hillary Clinton. Bernie people are organizing and having dinners and raising money. You just said he's raised more money than anybody else. There are other people who don't support I don't Bernie who are having dinners I and even raising got my money. point out. Uh, my, the, 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 my, my point is, is that there's a bunch of well-appointed political donors who are talking about, quote, the Bernie problem or the Bernie uh, uh Issue. I can't remember which uh, strange dog whistle that they they used. Uh, dog whistle. <laughs> I mean, the birdie problem. The the, the, you the cheapen the metaphor. I do. I do cheapen the metaphor. It was a cheap shot. But this is all I'm saying. If uh, establishment Democrats want to know why a lot of people uh, you like can't Bernie say Sanders I'm running as the anti-establishment candidate and then grump about the existence of the establishment that you are positioning yourself to run against. Well, yes, uh, yes, you can, especially if the policies that you support don't support uh, aren't uh, those of the establishment the reason why those people uh didn't like uh, hillary or one of the reasons why those people didn't like hillary was because she didn't she wasn't progressive enough she didn't have the right solution for health care she didn't have the right solution for the environment she wasn't going to be good on antitrust law people yeah, because and? she was cozy with the with corporations okay so the it, th- interesting thing about the story is that it's those same people who were driving that policy seem to be trying to take down Sanders again, even though the shoe's on the other foot what and he is, the, he is the person who is fucking is. It's people trying to take other people down and people who are in the lead early in a primary often draw the most flack and fire and people can organize to support Bernie and they can organize to support other people and they can organize specifically to block Bernie if they yes, think he's not going to be good. Was they were wrong. Bernie Sanders last time, it was nothing but right. are they going to vote for Hillary Clinton? Are they going to fall in love? Are they going to – Bernie Sanders is right. fracturing the party. We've and it's already, his fault that we have Trump. And this is same shit is happening, but it's on the – the shoe's on the other foot and it's Hillary Clinton. How are the shoes on it. the other foot? And because – they this are, is the same shoes, same feet. Last time it was, oh, these all these evil Hillary Clinton supporters who thought they had the right to organize to support the candidate that they preferred. And now here are all these evil Hillary Clinton supporters doing the same fucking thing. They don't support Bernie. Like, grow up and get over it. Some people don't support Bernie. I have said, and other people have said, whoever gets the nominee, nomination, I will write that motherfucker a check and I will vote for that motherfucker. People who no, don't Dan, support you, Bernie I, say that. It's not, a lot of people who support Bernie don't say that, specifically don't say that. 
And we wouldn't no, have Trump in office if more Bernie supporters had voted for Hillary after she fair and square won the fucking nomination and didn't go to the Democratic convention and shit their pants publicly and make scenes and sow division and then go vote for Jill Stein in the fucking You're night. literally now making the argument that I was accusing you of making last time. And that is exactly why the, how this shoe is on the other foot this time. A bunch of fucking Hillary Clinton um, uh, donors are shitting their pants and trying to fracture the party. And we're going to have Trump again if they're going to keep up and fracture the party. They're organizing before the primaries to support a different fucking candidate. That's not a sin. Okay, that's politics. All, all, all about process. Let's just go back for one second to some substance. So Bernie on the issues is having success with Medicare for all. He's having success with his uh, talk about the establishment and the 1% and caring for the forgotten Americans, the same kind of rhetoric that helped Trump, but Bernie actually has plans behind it. Never mind that Bernie is now a member of the 1%. Oh, he loves this hypocrisy. Which I don't, I don't think is a problem. Like, <laughs> All right. Well, then FD, let's... <laughs> FDR was a rich guy who made the country better for, for poor people. This idea that – like right-wingers employ this rhetorical device. Oh, you can't be you know, a, a fighter for the working class because you make so much money. So therefore, you're a hypocrite. You Only somebody who's poor could – but nobody who's poor is going to rise to the top of our political system and been able to to launch a successful campaign for president. And people tend to get rich the more successful politically they are. And that's what happened to Bernie. He was making 200K a year before he ran for president. He's making a million a year now after he ran for president and became more prominent. And you know he saves that money. Like Bernie is a frugal guy, at least based on his uh... – Hookers and blow. <laughs> <laughs> All goes to hookers and blow. All right. Also, though, giving Bernie credit, uh, he was the first and loudest Democrat standing up to defend Representative Ilhan Omar after Trump smeared her as basically. Was he first? Did he beat AOC to the? Barricades? Well, I'm talking about first Democratic presidential candidate. Presidential candidate. Uh, okay. He was first and loudest uh, to stand up for Ilhan Omar after Trump insinuated uh, that Ilhan Omar was essentially cheering the September 11th. Attackers. That's a polite way of saying after Trump tried to get her killed. Yeah. Right, right. So what his what Trump did led to a rise in death threats against Ilhan Omar and Bernie was out there saying this is garbage before other Democrats. We will see. This is also we should just it is weird that we have a president who can like <laughs> sick people and sick violence on his political enemies, and this is just now commonplace. Yeah, it's he's he the leader a- of a troll army yeah. more than he is the leader of the country. Yeah. But that troll army, incited by Fox News and the rest, end up being, I guess, pretty powerful. He's they a- are the base that won't collapse in the polls. Yeah, he's a danger to American citizens. Physical let's, danger. W- let's talk next about another challenger to trump who is really interesting and also having a big sustained moment the rich (laughs) deemed spoiler pete Buttigieg. we'll talk about him next rich it's my weekly check-in on the state of your sheets Mm -hmm. still supporting only me (laughs) i was wondering if anyone else has slept in them only the ghosts but are they getting softer the sheets as i wash them (laughs) <laughs> yes i only wanted to know about the softness of the sheets that's because they're 100 percent organic and when i wash them in the washing machine they get softer and softer and softer and slowly if i keep washing them they might become someone who loves me are they by any chance bowl and branch sheets b-o-l-l and branch.com slash blabbermouth 
Bolin Branch, as you know, makes sheets from 100% pure organic cotton, which means like Rich's sheets, they start out super soft and get even softer over time. You buy directly from them. So you're essentially paying wholesale prices. Luxury sheets can cost up to $1,000 in the store, but Bolin Branch sheets are only a couple hundred bucks. Everyone who tries Bolin Branch sheets loves them. That's why they have thousands of five-star reviews and Forbes, The Wall Street Journal, and Fast Company are all talking about Bolin Branch. Even three U.S. presidents sleep on Bolin Branch sheets. Beyonce's new album, George Washington and George Washington Carver. Shipping is free, and you can try them for 30 nights. If you don't love them, send them back for a refund, but I doubt that you'll want to send them back. There's no risk and no reason not to give them a try. To get you started right now, Blabbermouth listeners get $50 off your first set of sheets at bowlandbranch.com. Promo code Blabbermouth. Go to bowlandbranch.com today for $50 off your first set of sheets. That's B-O-L-L and branch.com. Promo code Blabbermouth. Bowlandbranch.com. Promo code Blabbermouth. Katie Herzog, hello. Hello, Eli. Pete Buttigieg. Am I saying his name right? Boot Edge Edge is how I've been instructed. Whatever. Booty Judge. Booty Judge. All right. He is doing amazingly well, surprisingly well to me. If you asked me even yesterday or the day before whether I would think that a gay candidate could have a shot at the presidency or even the Democratic nomination, I'd be like, no, and unwise not the right time let's find someone who can actually win the parallels to 2006 in the way a lot of african-americans talked about barack obama Mm -hmm. that they didn't want to risk it they didn't want to line up behind him because they didn't think it was possible for a black man to be elected president in the united states of america so a lot of african-americans early on endorsed prominent african-americans endorsed hillary in 2006 and then shifted their endorsements to obama as he gathered steam and so much of what i'm hearing from gay people like what you just said just eerily parallels what African-Americans were saying about Obama and Twitter, including all this shit about Pete Buttigieg not being gay enough. There was a lot of Obama's not black enough to right. be the first black president. Right. Yeah. I, I feel exactly that. And I've been thinking about 2016 also in this because I feel the same thing. I feel like he can't win America. The wider America will never let this happen I'm not really in the debate over whether he's gay enough, but I just don't I don't actually believe. But at the same time, I look at the attention he's getting, the money he's getting, the polls, he's going to be in the debates. And then you watch him when he talks on interview shows or even at his town hall. And he has something that the other candidates don't. Media attention is what he has right now. Would we be talking about him at all if he didn't if he weren't a cocksucker? <laughs> I'm serious. Would we? Would we? Like, what are I think his that's politics? really homophobic. He is, a, he is a moderate Democrat. He has actually very few policy positions that are. It's almost impossible to find out what he actually believes. What he's done as a mayor. There was a really good piece in the Huffington Post yesterday. Michael Hobbs. Michael Hobbs. Um, about what he, his actual performance as the mayor of South Bend, Indiana, the fourth biggest city in Indiana, a city that nobody out of, out of South Bend, Indiana had heard of before this. And he did a, an okay job as mayor. He's a technocrat, but apparently he actually did some, like, on the social justice field, he actually did a bad job. He, he, he ordered this sort of, the destruction of all of these homes, of vacant homes that were in mostly black and Latino neighborhoods. So he doesn't have the social justice bona fides. He's, uh, he's just like, he's, he's milk toast. Well, 
He is. But he's a, he's a cocksucker, so we're talking about him. Not just that. Think of a all the cocksuckers cocksucker. we've elected to the presidency <laughs> in the past. It really is the glide path to the American presidency. Look, not, just go put a dick in your mouth and saying, you are in. I'm not saying that I, that it's not, you know, he's the first out gay, out gay, you know, major party candidate. I'm not saying it's not a big deal, but I am saying that the only reason that we're talking about this guy is because of that. It's not anything. It's to not do just because of that. Yeah. Like there's broadly symbolic things about him being more the anti-Trump right now than any of the other candidates He's running. Rhodes of- Scholar speaks seven languages, went to Afghanistan, uh, served in the military, is a veteran, uh, has executive experience, South Bend, Indiana, South Bend, however. Indiana. But I don't think it's just dude puts dicks in his No, mouth. but do you think that do you think that he would have any of this sort of momentum if he were married to a woman instead of a man? No, I think Barack Obama's early momentum had a lot to do with what was exciting about Barack Obama yeah. being an African American yeah. candidate. Yeah. Same thing with some of the excitement about uh, Hillary Clinton right. uh, I, in I 2008 and but 2016. I just, I think and some of the excitement now in some quarters about Warren and Harris. Um, and Kobachar has to do with like it's time for a woman. And a lot of that is, you know, the anti Trump. And like we're looking for the anti Trump who's also sort of Trump kryptonite. I'm kind of like pro Warren. Like yeah, Warren's policy too. positions, mm-hmm. everything yeah. she's proposed and floated is genius. We haven't had debates yet. Warren is apparently terrific in front of crowds. And once we have debates, it could totally change the equation here. But I could get behind a Warren Buddha judge ticket I mean, where we put in front of Pence at a vice presidential debate, that cocksucker, the symbolism of that. And what Buttigieg has written about a lot is that Democrats are bad at symbolism and broad strokes politics and get buried in like our 10 point plan minutiae shit. And Buttigieg is really good at speaking this language and he is a technocrat. And that would be, I think, at this point, a welcome change to the demagogue in the White House, even if Buttigieg was just VP. Do you and think there, that's what there's, he's going there's for? something attractive about that? So I'm just curious about why he decided to do this now. Like he's 37 years old. He's had exactly one position. Um, so why do this now? Like why not run for Senate? Why not run for governor? Why do this now? I mean, I think, yeah. Because VP. the president of the United States had on his resume as his major qualification for being president, however many seasons on The Apprentice. Oh, right, and right. everyone now knows that you don't need any sort of traditional resume to get to the White House. That's not and, true. That's if you're Donald Trump, you don't need you don't need the resume. Well, Everybody else needs a fucking resume. So if you're someone who can sell yourself as a way of having a totally new conversation that doesn't reflect the old, stale, establishment, calcified norms, then, yeah, you do kind of start to get a pass. But Buttigieg has more executive experience in politics than Trump has and I think Pence and maybe Trump and Pence combined, I think, is his campaign. Right, but I don't think that we I don't think that we should make Donald Trump the, the fucking sure. like, line here. But here is what I think really kind of explodes the normal conversation about Buttigieg. So one, he is from the parts of the country that the elite coastal Democrats who fund major Democratic campaigns and have a huge amount of sway in the media. And this is just real and true. They look down on, they disdain, they don't understand, they have contempt for. And he comes and says, I represent these people, you misunderstand Democratic Party. And I get why some of them voted for Trump. I was elected by Trump voters and voters for Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders. I can talk about what has happened the important to middle America. There is, and I think Buttigieg is fudging this a bit. He was elected in south bend indiana not statewide in indiana sure i don't know he says that some people who voted for me voted for pence some people voted for me voted for trump some people voted for me voted for hillary 
Pence when he was governor of Indiana. Maybe that's true. It's a Rust Belt Dem leaning city. Uh, maybe there's some like Trump voters rattling around in it, but I don't know how many he scooped up. And sometimes I think he's like intentionally trying to put it into the heads of voters that he's one statewide in Indiana, that red state. And he hasn't. Sure. But just the idea of, wait a minute, here's this gay guy who got embraced by a small Midwestern town in a state that Mike Pence governed, the anti-gay Mike Pence, and succeeded. Just just that enough like gets people's attention. And then the second big thing, and this is what I really want to talk to you both about, is that here is a gay man, an out gay man, who is talking back to the religious right in religious terms. And I think that is blowing people's minds, not just on the religious right, but on the left and in the center. This is a guy who is reclaiming the language of religion or faith or just the idea of aspiring to a kind of morality based He's calling culture. them out on their hypocrisy you know you know all of us on the left and i'm like a, a raving table flipping atheist right and i will throw the gospels in the face of right-wing christians what jesus had to say about taking care of the sick welcoming the fucking immigrant right in there in the new testament nothing from jesus in the gospels about cocksuckers and making sure they don't get their wedding cakes but a lot about welcoming the immigrant housing the homeless and for me they can dismiss it because I'm not a believer. And most people who throw it out in their faces aren't self-described, self-avowed believers. He is. And but he's really also gay. They can just dismiss him because he's gay. Yeah, but they, they can't because I anybody mean, who says they're a Christian – what, what's they voted for, I mean, they voted, Christians now, voted for Donald Trump. Like, I don't oh, I think know, that. Like, I know. And that's what he's able to call them on. And they backed themselves in a position where they're, they're now saying, well, he's just an Episcopalian and Episcopalians aren't real Christians, which is mind blowing. Three quarters of the founding fathers were Episcopalians, were Church of England. Yeah, that's also, much more if, Christian than Donald Trump is. What could be a more interesting. Of low bars. <laughs> What could be a more interesting debate in the presidential election than the kind of standard bearers for Christianity in America, or at least the political standard bearers, trying to argue that Trump is more of a Christian exemplar and Pence is as well than Pete Buttigieg? That will be fascinating. God, They're just going like, to have to go, but he sits on dicks, but he sits on dicks. Policy. I just want us to talk about policy. I'm, like Elizabeth Warren is the only one who has actual policy positions and you are not going to see her on the cover of I New completely, York Did you just hear me say my preferred no, ticket is you, Warren you, Buttigieg? No, I mean, no, I agree. I, like, I, I commend you for making the right choice. <laughs> I completely agree stay. with you and we talked about this, I think, on the last show or the show before. We're going to talk about it on every fucking show for the We next should year. because it's not fair. It's exactly what happened to Hillary Clinton. It's a female candidate with experience and ideas, yeah. putting if those ideas were, out there. Getting we haven't gotten wrong. to the debates yet. Right. Warren is a known quantity. There were a lot of people who wanted Warren to run against Hillary in 2016. So Warren isn't the shiny new object Buddha judges. He's not going to be the shiny new object for long because this Democratic primary is going to go on for 44 years. And so I think attention will turn to Warren, particularly after the debates, all the reports and she's covered. I read reports about Warren on the trail all the time and all the reporting from the, the trail, such as it is. And so far in advance is how great she is in front of crowds, how she fires people up, how unions love her. And but the broader electorate isn't going to have a chance to see her or fall in love with her that way until the debates start, which don't start until right. next I year, mean, March. The polls are directly correlated to media exposure. So this is why this annoys me so much is that you like you will not see Warren on the cover of New York magazine. You won't. You would see AOC for sure because there is a shiny new quality. Warren right now. was on the cover of the New York magazine a few months ago. Wait, was she? 
I just want to correct the first Democratic primary debate is in a couple months. A couple months. Oh, it's not God. next year. Oh, yeah. Well, so thing, this I don't starts know if that's really a curse soon. or a blessing. I think it's actually going to be a blessing. It'll narrow the field. But he, I want to ask you something, Dan. So, as a table flipping atheist, right? How are, are you okay with with the cathedral in Paris burning to the ground? No, <laughs> I oppose <laughs> cathedrals catching fire. What about? Uh, a guy who wants to bring his religion into politics as a leader of the Democratic Party and wants to make a claim to leadership and morality that's based in religion when that is the thing that a lot of the left has been trying to move everyone on from. Wait, Dan's right. She was on the cover of New York Magazine in August, which I actually subscribe to. I smoke a lot of weed. (laughs) (laughs) All right. But back to this question. Not letting you off the hook on this, Dan. Oh, what do I think about injecting faith into politics? I I don't know. I'm I'm ambivalent about it and and, uh, conflicted about it. You know, you listen to uh, the speeches or read the speeches or letter from Birmingham jail, Martin Luther King. There's a lot of religious imagery. Um, I have said and I believe that the good book is only as good as the person whose hands it's in and who's reading aloud from it. And, you know, I uh, consider myself culturally Catholic and I have read the Bible cover to cover like three or four times. And if you view, if you read it as this desperate sort of desert culture, nomadic tribe trying to claw its way to, I think the lesson of it, which is do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. There is a political secular value in that lesson. Um, the problem is that people get diverted by, everything else um, and all the bullshit that do unto others as you'd have them do unto you not only was the capstone of but was the rebuttal to a lot of the rest of the shit that's in the bible so you know if somebody wants to politically tap into what i think is good and decent about christianity to forge a better society a la martin luther king i could get behind that i i mean i am with you on that the slightly head spinning thing is that particularly for the gay rights movement part of the center of the movement has been getting religion out of the bedroom out of you know making judgments about who gay people can and can't marry and we're learning to ignore the shit in the bible about sexuality just like we've learned to ignore the shit in the bible about shellfish and slavery like it's maybe it's not necessarily for some about getting religion out it's about pulling those teeth out of the mouth of religion there's so much we ignore in the bible there's so much bullshit in the bible that we just glance past that used to be weaponized slave owners and slave states could point to whole books in the bible backing slavery jesus never condemned slavery it's not mentioned in the ten commandments uh and and people could make a bible-based argument for slavery and a better and sounder one for slavery than against slavery we don't hear those arguments anymore. Maybe we will soon, considering the direction this country is fucking headed. Maybe that's coming. But we don't hear that argument anymore because people just glance past it. And I think that that's where we're headed maybe one day with sexuality. We don't hear about putting girls to death on their wedding nights if they're not virgins anymore either. And maybe we won't hear about a man should not lie with a man one day either. I think setting this kind of high-minded uh, discussion aside, just the idea that a Democrat – could potentially capture the huge percentage of Americans who identify as religious and say they're Christian or capture some segment of that population. But they all say, I mean, all Democrats pretend to be Christian, whether they are or not. Like the difference to me between Mayor Pete and let's say Bill Clinton or Hillary Clinton or maybe the Obamas, I don't know how genuine their faith is, is that he seems to actually be a believer. And I think for them, it was pandering to the, the, the vast majority of the country that that is religious. Right. So if you are a swingable 
Trump voter who identifies as evangelical or just Christian, and you have a choice, ultimately, between someone who is a true believer, but he's Pete Buttigieg, and someone who is clearly not a true believer, Donald Trump. I mean, it's just why, like, it should be about fucking policy. I mean, like, I know that it's not what it's about, but it should be about policy. There are no true believers. Those evangelical Christians who back Trump do not believe in Christianity, period, the end. Buddha judge is not going to shave off a significant percentage of the evangelical. Dan, I think you're wrong about that. I think for a lot of them, they just, a lot of evangelical Christians, it comes down to one issue and it's not the gay rights issue. It's abortion. And they will never vote for the democratic party because they view the democratic party as the party of abortion. And that's just like, that's never going to change. And it doesn't matter if it's Donald Trump, someone who I am sure has paid for more than one abortion in his lifetime. They're still going to vote for him because it's they're they're you know it's, that's what it comes down pregnant, to. He would not have to pay for that abortion. I would <laughs> I would have a lemonade stand up in yeah. like five seconds to pay for my own fucking abortion. Okay, next we are going to talk with Charles Mudede about the burning of Notre Dame. But Dan, as you said, you are a cultural Catholic. You're also a history buff. You've also, I'm sure, wandered around Paris. I think I've heard you talk about it and seen. Notre Dame, just quickly, how did you react? I cried my eyes out. All right. We are going to hear from Charles Mudede next about why you should dry your tears. Your teeth, Rich. Also ghosts. Also sparkly. Beautiful. Sparkling Very shiny. The enamel, rock solid. (laughs) I can hear it. Yeah, tombstones. You must know that one of the most important things we do for our health every day is brushing our teeth. Yet most of us, not you, not me, but some people don't do it properly. You know, the teeth are the only part of your skull that you can see. That is deep. You're brushing your skull. Quip is the best way to brush your skull. It's the better electric toothbrush created by dentists and designers It was designed to make brushing your teeth more simple, affordable, and even enjoyable. People brush too hard. And some electric toothbrushes are abrasive, but Quip uses sensitive sonic vibrations gentle on your sensitive gums, Rich. Quip's got a built-in two-minute timer, which pulses every 30 seconds to remind you when to switch sides, helping guide a full and even clean. It's got a multi-use cover that mounts to your mirror and unmounts to slide over your bristles for on-the-go brushing. Quip doesn't require a clunky charger and runs for three months on one charge. Three out of four of us use bristles that are old, worn out, and ineffective. Brush heads are automatically delivered by Quip, on a dentist-recommended schedule for three months for just $5. That's why I love Quip. That's why Rich loves Quip. And that's why they're backed by over 20,000 dental professionals. Quip starts at just $25. And if you go to getquip.com slash right now, you get your first refill pack free with a Quip electric toothbrush. That's your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash Charles Mundede, hello. Hello, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. You are doing just fine because you were not crying about the burning of Notre Dame. Unlike Dan, who just said in the last segment that he was crying his eyes out. Yeah, I uh, <laughs> I have a long, long reason for that, and I'm not trying to. I'm not going to get into it entirely. <laughs> well, let me let's let's see if I can abbreviate the reason that you explained on the Strangers Blog slog this week. You were saying don't cry for Notre Dame essentially because 
you can recreate it through digital means and yes. you don't need this object you can just uh look at a hologram you know one thing everybody uh, there's many ways as i said it's, it's it's complicated but one is i'm i'm a i'm a modernist uh-huh. and so for us that building is you know despite its achievements and all that stuff it's still ugly and uh, <laughs> you know and everybody has to know that architecturally you know um, you know, um, as a you know, even when it comes to music, to jazz, I'm a modernist, right? And and when it comes to you know literature, I'm a modernist, right? And so, so a cathedral is kind of an offense to your sensibilities. It's 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 it's, 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 it's like barbaric. <laughs> Charles, <laughs> you are the only person I've ever heard say that that particular marvel of medieval technology is barbaric although the middle ages were barbaric yeah i mean it's not i'm not saying anything new there was uh the, uh, that was the entire modernist movement against all of that mo- you know moldings and all of that all that pretty shit yeah yeah that stuff and it was in you know i mean um there was a response a reaction to it and i i sort of si- aligned myself with that position aesthetically so that's my so I wasn't I wasn't I, I understand the uh you know the the greatness of the work. I understand that it's you know, it's got all this powerful stuff inside of it and all this history using uh uh Proust uh, as I said in my post, I mean it's impressive the way it sailed through the centuries and all that kind of thing, right? So right. but um yeah, to me it 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 had it didn't have that um uh, Aesthetic wonderfulness that it is a lot of people almost a thousand years old, right? It's like yeah. eight hundred and fifty years yeah. old. So yeah. that it's it's had a lot attached to it over the centuries. Yeah, but let it burn. Well, it's burn. It things things it happens. Not the first time. Do you know? I might. I used to be sensitive to this sort of thing. First of all, there's this whole thing where everybody's coming out and saying that this is Western culture and civilization and all that sort of stuff, and we've got to go and preserve it, and you know, and so on. And half these people don't even know what Western civilization even means, right? Half of them don't even have no architectural sensibility to speak of whatsoever. It's just these specific like codes. So for me to hear them talk about it is just almost like it, offensive. Like first of all, do your work. Right, really appreciate the culture. Right, and the first thing is, and the next thing is like when you say Western culture, do you include Baghdad? You know, and then I do. I include Baghdad because where else do you get Aristotle from except from the ba- Baghdad uh, translation uh, uh, project uh, nine hundred years ago? Right, and mm-hmm. so you basically don't have Western philosophy without it coming through Baghdad and being translated. Right, so I'm just saying that where do you? I mean, to me, it's 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 the the it's a wider thing. It's a little more. It's it's messy. It comes up and down. Mm-hmm. It, it's not. It doesn't move in progressive steps and so on and so on. So I that to me is like that's one. The other one is you know when I, as I said when I in 2003 really blew my mind when I watched uh, the bombings of um of Baghdad. And I just saw that things can just be just destroyed. Like no matter how much history they have, how much how much importance they have, and it wasn't just the bombings, I mean, but the consequences of war. The you know all of the the statues that were torn down and destroyed, and then you know you have ISIS doing all sorts of things in Syria. I mean, I just got used to it, mm-hmm. right? Or the burning of uh, the National Museum in Brazil, so, yes, or right, the destruction. Yes, yeah. I think you're talking about this uh, with the Taliban, actually, it, it, of the, Buddha, the Buddha, the Buddha yeah, statues it's, it's in exploded, Afghanistan. Exploded it, yeah. 
I'm just saying that that's 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 just a part of the history of of things, and also you know there used to be in the, in the 17th century an appreciation for the ruins of things, right? So architects would actually design things so that they so that they that they that they decayed beautifully, right? Mm-hmm. And so to me, the, the notion of permanence is really odd as well. Like you know what I mean? So, but there is so it seems to me that there is in the reaction in France and the just determination to rebuild this will not crumble. There is this attachment to the idea of Notre Dame as a metaphor yeah. for the West and the staying power and legacy of the West and. Because the West feels under assault right now, yeah. it has to rebuild this, you know, kind of symbol or metaphor of its own identity. Katie, you uh, didn't like a lot of the hot takes on Notre Dame. Well, I was sort of struck by just how quickly, while this thing was burning, I was watching the conversation on Chatter, and it immediately became just fodder for the culture war. So people on the right a lot of sort of nutty people, um, or actually I should say a small number of loud people, uh, were immediately blaming, blaming Muslims, saying, you know, casting suspicion that this was an act of terror when probably what happened, it was shoddy construction. Um, and then on the left, you had a small but loud number of leftists saying, um, essentially, let it burn. This is a symbol of, of white supremacy and uh, imperialism. Let it burn. It's just a fucking building. And so that's just sort of like... This our our immediate response to, to to these tragedies is to just make it political on both sides of the political on every side of the political spectrum, really. And so I don't know. I don't like this. Just it's what's going to happen. It's sort of like it's just, like everything crumbles, everything turns political. I mean, I think Charles was right. It's sort of inevitable. I don't think that means it's not sad. I didn't cry about it like Dan, but I also didn't sort of wave it off like Charles as much. You. uh had a line in your post that was something like, um, even if you don't uh, believe in the God that, you know, inspired the creation of this cathedral, human hands built this thing. And it's an impressive monument to what human beings can actually do if they're determined. Right. I, I would have found it, you know, as, as tragic if the, the pyramids had, had collapsed. It's just for me, it's much more, I'm not religious at all, but it's much more, um, it's about history and about artistry. You know, I, I feel there's a, if you drive north on I-5 from Seattle, there's this, uh, at a rest stop, just where you go to take a pee break, there's this massive stump. You know what I'm talking about? There's uh, this at one of the one like, of the rest areas, yeah. like at a north. So there's a stump that's like it's like two thousand years old. I mean, just fucking massive. It's like as big as this room, and they've turned it into some dumb like pavilion thing or whatever. And every time I drive past that, I, I sort of feel the same sadness that I would feel thinking about about Notre Dame. It's just like this old thing is now gone. Maybe the tree is sadder because it was alive and we killed it. But that's just how I feel about this. It's just like a part of history has been destroyed. And Charles, what I took from saying, uh, you know. Just just make it a hologram, like enough with this sentimentality for objects. It was, in your mind, kind of an ugly object, or not even kind of, a, an object that really offends your aesthetic. And if you want it, just uh, project it in a hologram and be done with it. I just think it would be more beautiful. 
personally, I'd actually go and see that. But there's this, but there's this, <laughs> this thing is happening now where so much of what we create is digital that like, if let's say that there is some like massive apocalypse right now, when we all were beamed up to heaven as the three of us certainly would be. And all that's left is, is our artifacts. Everything from the current era is going to like the, the iPhones don't work anymore. All of our literature is online. Like nothing, like if a visitor from the future came in and, and saw us without, without this land, without people, just with all of our shit, all of our literature is going to be gone. I mean, there's something about these tangible objects that used to exist that are going to cease to exist in the future or like photographs. These things, we don't have them anymore. They're just all on our phones. They all stop existing when the electricity goes out. Well, you heard about how Jeff Bezos and others have sent a whole backup copy of our civilization to the moon. Oh, thank you. Thank so you. So there Jeff. is yeah. that. There yeah. is that. Yes. <laughs> Charles, thank you. <laughs> Katie, thank you. Thank you. And that's the show. If you've got something you want to say to Dan Savage, Rich Smith, Katie Herzog, Charles Mudede, or me, call the Blabberphone, 206-302-2063, or dive on into our Blabbermouth Podcast Facebook group. Thanks, as always, to Ahanefileje Aluo for making the music we use on the show each week, and to Nancy Hartunian for bringing our blabbering mouths to your ears. Mm-hmm.